0: Welcome to Read By, where today's finest authors read what matters to them, from their homes to yours. In this episode, Tobias Wolf reads poems by Ivan Boland and John N. Morris. To learn more from Wolf about his choices, check out the episode description. And now, Read By, Tobias Wolf.
1: Today, I'm going to read three poems. Two are by my uh, dear friend and longtime colleague, Ivan Boland, who uh, I'm sorry to say died last April. And it's a loss that I feel still. I miss her so much. And uh, I, in some ways, am able to bring her back into my company through her poetry. I'm going to read two of her poems. There's a a tradition in Irish poetry inflected by a uh, long independence movement, or a certain kind of heroic poetry. And Yvonne confronts this tradition in her poetry, I think, very powerfully. In fact, first poem that I'm going to read a hers is called heroic. And I'll talk a little bit about it when I have finished it. Sex and history and skin and bone, and the oppression of Sunday afternoon. Bells called the faithful to devotion. I was still at school and on my own, and walked and walked and sheltered from the rain. The patriot was made of drenched stone. His lips were still speaking. The gun he held had just killed someone. I looked up. And looked at him again. He stared past me without recognition. I moved my lips and wondered how the rain would taste if my tongue were made of stone, and wished it was, and whispered so that no one could hear it but him make me a herald. The picture there was obviously of, of a girl confronting a statue of a patriot there are many and In Dublin and Ireland generally, but what seems to be bound up in the heroism is a stoniness. You think of Yeats's line: "Too much, this sort of thing makes a stone of the heart to trouble the living stream. To be this kind of hero is to become a statue, is to purge feeling, to become stone. It's a certain." image of heroism that we find questioned and really demolished in her extraordinary late poem, Quarantine. This play takes place during the Great Famine of the 1840s and 50s, which uh, nearly annihilated so many millions, died of starvation, and so many emigrated to the United States quarantine. In the worst hour of the worst season, of the worst year of a whole people, a man set out from the workhouse with his wife. He was walking. They were both walking north. She was sick with famine fever and could not keep up. He lifted her and put her on his back. He walked like that west and west and north until at nightfall under freezing stars they arrived. In the morning, they were both found dead, of cold, of hunger, of the toxins of a whole history. But her feet were held against his breastbone. The last heat of his flesh was his last gift to her. Let no love poem ever come to this threshold. There is no place here for the inexact praise of the easy graces and sensuality of the body. There is only time for this merciless inventory. Their death together in the winter of 1847, also what they suffered, how they lived, and what there is between a man and woman, and in which darkness it can best be proved. You see in that extraordinary poem that I cannot read without uh, getting uh, misty what a real heroism is and how domestic that heroism is. It isn't something in a grand cause that causes you later to be commemorated in a statue. It is the warmth that he gives his wife is the heroic thing that the statue cannot. It is an extraordinary portrait of heroism. The heroism here is not uh, a heroism of a grand rhetorical cause. It is a domestic heroism of the kind available to all of us in which the heroism is expressed in the giving of warmth. He gives his last warmth to his wife. You can contrast that with the coldness of that statue that can give no warmth. Uh, It's an extraordinary picture of of heroism and of a poet working at the height of her passion and and art. The next poem I'm going to read is a poem by John N. Morris, a wonderful poet. I have carried this poem in my mind for many years now. I think I first read it in the mid-70s, and it has come to gather meaning for me. I had no children when I read it. I have three now, three grandchildren. One of the things you have to learn as a parent and later as a grandparent is to let go. You have to allow your children to leave, to take their chances with the hazards and adventures of the world, to satisfy their hunger for experience, when that that hunger can even take them into danger. And this poem beautifully addresses that. Human situation and calls again, like Ivan's poems, on a kind of humane, almost familial heroism. It's called For Julia in the Deep Water. For Julia in the Deep Water. The instructor we hire, because she does not love you, leads you into the deep water, the deep end, where the water is darker. Her open, encouraging arms that never get nearer are merciless for your sake you will dream this water always where nothing draws nearer wasting your valuable breath you will scream for your mother only your mother is drowning forever in the thin air down at the deep end she is doing nothing She never did anything harder, and I am beside her. I am beside her in this imagination. We are waiting where the water is darker. You are over your head, screaming. You are learning your way toward us. You are learning how, in the helpless water, it is with our skill we live in what kills us. The picture of those parents standing at the deep end, watching their daughter finally being cast off from all help, having to learn to navigate this deadly element, which is life on her own, is uh, that that line doing nothing is the hardest thing. There is nothing harder, and that is a it's a, a truth that that pierces the heart of anyone who loves someone else and knows that they have to let them go, that it is for their sake that one has to be merciless sometimes. It's a beautiful poem.
0: 9-2-Y's Read By is produced and commissioned by New York's 9-2-Y Unterberg Poetry Center, a home for live readings and literature for over 80 years. To invite more authors into your home, subscribe to 9-2-Y's Read By wherever you download podcasts. If you're able, please visit 9-2-Y.org slash help now to donate to support 9-2-Y and our new digital programming. Thank you, and thank you for listening. Find more great recordings at 92y.org slash by.